Welcome to Soul Rising. We're your hosts, Amy and Erin. We're two everyday mediums who are passionate about taking the woo-woo out of spirituality and bringing it down to earth. So put the kettle on, grab a chair, and join us. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 41 of Soul Rising. I am Amy, my co-host. And I am Erin. And we have a special guest today, Emily. Emily, hello. hello. Thank you so much for coming on Soul Rising. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you both. Yes, me too. I am a big fan of yours. Um, we're just still kind of getting to know each other, but um, in the last, I don't know, three or four months, everything, we've gotten to know each other pretty well in the last three or four months. The universe is definitely conspiring um, to bring us together, and I just knew I had to have you. We had to have you on today, and I'm looking forward to my co-host, Erin, getting to know you a little bit better as well. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm so yeah, excited. So Emily um, is an astrologer as well as a medium. Um, and you know me, I love astrology. And we both are, we're all three of us are mediums here. So we all have a lot of uh, similarities and synchronicities. And we're very excited to chat to you about maybe uh, similar experiences and how maybe differences between us or different ways um, in which maybe you got into the work that you're doing. So Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Well, so thank you for having me. And yes, um, the universe has definitely conspired to throw Amy and I together. The synchronicities, I think even when we report them on Instagram, they there's still so many more behind the scenes we don't report. It's ridiculous. Um, so my name is Emily. Yeah, I live in Colorado, down in the States, and I am a developing medium and an astrologist, Akashic Records reader, all those good things. Um, I'm already 45, so I feel like I'm old to this game in some ways. I started developing in my late 30s and sort of finding my intuition in my path and getting clear about the exciting things that seem to drop in my pathway. It's never too late though. Do you, are you one to believe in divine timing? So your late thirties was the time that you were meant to jump into that. Yeah, totally believe that. I was in my late thirties as well. It's like about 37, 38 when things started for me yeah yeah of course it is synchronicity (laughs) so how did you um discover like I guess I would like to start with um how did you discover your interest in astrology oh that's such a great question I remember astrology just kind of being in my life always my grandmother is the one who would always read it in the Denver Post And she would cut out my horoscope if it was going to be a particularly good week or if she felt like I needed to watch out for something. And especially every year on my birthday, you know, they'd kind of give a little extra information. Yes. And she would always save those for me. And I remember having someone in high school with a computer program who even knows where they got it at that point. We're talking the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. And she printed out a full astrology report for me. And it's funny now, looking back, there was even something in there to worry about, like, pipes and flooding of a basement in our last house was like a hundred years old and we had nothing but flooding and pipe problems. So I really wish I could find that report. Mm. (laughs) But for me, I've always had a curiosity. I loved wishing on stars. I loved watching for shooting stars. I just, something about the unknown aspect and yet knowing that we still are affected by full moons and things that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Like it's such an ancient study, yet it's like we will never know everything there is to know about it. And there's still... right. And something that we've been fascinated with for millennia. Yeah. Humanity has always been fascinated with it. Yeah, I absolutely, uh, I absolutely agree. Do you find that your interest in astrology is connected to your gift of mediumship at all? Do those overlap? You know, it was interesting. They actually ended up developing sort of side by side. I had my first astrology reading uh, with a professional astrologist shortly after my grandmother passed away. I kind of did it in honor of her and to sort of treat myself for my birthday. And the, the amount of information just blew my mind. It was like, here's someone who's never met me, giving me all these validations that who I am is really okay. Kind of take a deep breath. You don't have to fight against yourself so much, which I think we all do in our twenties and thirties, trying to fit into a box of what we're supposed to be. And as I developed that and started to kind of feel comfortable with myself, I started diving into what it is to be an empath and how do I develop my intuition further? Because there were always things that I knew that was easy to dismiss. Um, And I'd always had an interest in the other side as well. Growing up in a kind of a small mining Victorian town, we had ghosts around all the time growing up. So it was something I always considered was completely possible. I just didn't think it was possible for me. (laughs) yeah so that is so cool when you say like ghost around do you mean like was it kind of something in the town the community that everybody kind of talked about and knew about or was it something um that you like experienced personally both (laughs) okay absolutely I'm like nodding yes yes yes. um please share your ghost stories (laughs) (laughs) so completely like 1800s ghost town it was at the height of the gold rush and the silver rush And so a lot of people came through. And when we were in these buildings, so my parents had a small store and it was actually the original bank for the town. There was a safe, a big walk-in safe that I took naps in as I was a child. But there would be times in the evening where you could hear people walking down the hallway and there wouldn't be anybody there. Um, I remember I would have dance class at the community center next door. And there was just a specific hallway I was never going to go down. It's just that gut feeling you have of either being watched or like, no, I'm just not going there. Um, It was just common sort of knowledge that everybody had either had an experience or knew someone that had. Um, For a while, we lived next to the cemetery, which was terrifying as a small child. (laughs) But again, we still had the footsteps and the cold breezes and just in knowing, I guess, that there was so much there before us that hadn't really left yet. That's the best way to describe it. I think that trauma a lot of times gets trapped in energy and that so many times that's what we're feeling is like that specific traumatic moment in time. That's exactly it. Erin and I have Mm -hmm. kind of talked about that before. It sometimes is not always, um, it can be a little, um, what's the word? Um, controversial because people have very strong opinions about all of that but we kind of kind of talked about that in the live before and I think on this podcast before but I from my own um kind of intuitive knowing I kind of get the sense like when it comes to maybe a haunted house that maybe something traumatic did happen there the energy imprinted there and then somebody knew that happened there they went there it builds it builds it builds it builds for hundreds of years and that's what a haunted house is okay so I've got a really good example of this for you so um, I recently lived in another Colorado town with a deep, deep history. And uh, my friend had a small boutique um, 
and the building was the original carriage house. So they had horse wheels and they repaired carriage wheels, all these sorts of things. Well, it burned down in the 1800s, kind of a tragic fire. I believe a couple of people were killed. Well, a business moved in two doors down that did engraving. And what's popular right now is, of course, wood engraving on plaques and that sort of thing. So all through the night, they would run their machine and the smell of burning wood was just kind of in the building. Well, one night on video, they have it on their surveillance camera, their big, beautiful desktop Mac just got pushed right off the edge of the desk. There's nothing in the video other than the computer just sliding and falling. (laughs) And what happened was my friend and I, I kept chill still talking about it, but we kind of just knew him as Henry. In our minds, we were like, yeah, he's Henry. Of course we know he's Henry. Come to find out one of the owners of the building, his last name was Henry. And I really think he was bothered, kind of agitated by the smell of the smoke. And so we talked to him and just kind of told him that things were better and he was going to be okay. So once you kind of spoke to him and calmed him down a little bit, things kind of leveled up a bit? Yeah, Mm -hmm. really a lot of the things sort of subsided and he didn't cause any any more broken computers and things. But yeah, that video went all over the insurance agency while they tried to figure out if they were going to cover it or not. Does a ghost coverage, is that in insurance? uh... Right. We're like, surely someone just tripped on the cord and we're like, no, this was like the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah. Like computers are heavy too. You know, if a window was open, it's not going to push a computer off the desk. And it might topple top to the back, but it just slid. It slid like somebody just. Yeah. Like the whole thing slid. Wild. Mm -hmm. Wild. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a believer that energy is necessary. I feel like there's residual energy, which Emily, I think is what you're, you're talking about. And um, I don't necessarily feel like, like ghosts or spirits or energy is like, tr- like trapped in a, in a place. I feel like that's like, could be the memory or the imprint of an event that happened. And it sounds like that's what happened with Henry. He was being a bit triggered by the smoke and it was making him remember of, of that, uh, the fire that happened. Right. Right. I com- yeah, I completely agree. At least that's been my experience. Wow. Yeah. 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 That is so cool. What came first, the chicken or the egg, the mediumship or the astrology? I think you said they happened side by side, but was there one that kind of came in first or one that you noticed a little bit more so? Well, it's interesting. I had been doing some um, ancestry work mm-hmm. um, I've talked to Amy about this a little bit before too. And I was really enjoying following my family tree and discovering all of these great things that I never knew about. And I was loving it so much that friends were asking me to help with theirs. And I had a girlfriend that had been in a really bad car accident and thankfully she was going to be okay, but she had a little bit of money left and I took her to my financial planner. So I was like, you can't just, anyway, long story. What happened was I was asleep that night after the meeting and after spending the day with her and talking about her family. And I was at my parents' house. You know, I was in the guest room. It wasn't even my old room at that point. And I just remember waking up to like this feeling of a broken record in my mind a little bit. Like one of those nights where you're, it's maybe a full moon and you just, your mind won't shut off. But I had been asleep. So I woke up and I just kind of shook it off and thought, well, this is weird. I went to the restroom. When I came back, I laid down and just as I laid down and my head hit the pillow, it was like this wave of energy hit me and standing at the foot of my bed 
was this apparition, right? It's the, the whole classic scenario. You can see through him, but he's there. You can see what he's wearing, but you can't really make out his facial features. I knew enough to know he was wearing a boiler hat. He had horn rimmed glasses, a skinny black tie, white shirt, suit coat. And he was just standing there saying, thank you. Thank you for talking to her. Thank you for talking to her. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like over and over and over. And I remember laying there really stiff, put my arms to my side. I kind of looked away and was like, yeah, uh-huh, okay. yeah, you got it. Cool. Sure. Cool. 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 Yeah. Okay. Thanks for stopping by. And it kind of faded. And what I think that is so fascinating about it is if I talk about it now, right, I still get goosebumps, but I wasn't panicked. I didn't lay there awake all night. Like I would Mm -hmm. think I had, if I had seen a ghost, it was calming, right? It's that energy of love and calm. And I fell asleep and I remembered enough in the morning. I called my friend and I don't still think she totally knows what to do with me, but I I told her, like I had this person that was thanking me last night. And she said, well, that's interesting. My um, grandfather was a banker. And I thought, oh, well, wow. I was here last night. I got, so I got that, chills. Yeah, it was really interesting and something I still kind of put medium shop on a shelf, right? I'd grown up with enough ghost stories and things that I thought, like, either you're born with it or you're not. And I put it away. But that was kind of something that stuck with me enough that it planted a seed. And mm-hmm. yeah, I... I Chicken or the egg, I would say mediumship happened first. I think astrology gave me the confidence to express. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my question was about your interest in genealogy and ancestry, which you kind of just addressed. But is that so from our chats before, that's kind of what started this locomotive? <laughs> a better word. It did. It did. And I think part of it growing up in a very historically proud area, you know, we love the fact that we have these mines and the gold rush and the stories with, you know, the unsinkable Molly Brown from the Titanic and all of these things. It made the history feel so tangible to me. And I remember being in like Victorian fashion shows when I was a kid. And for me, the history of it, my grandfather was born in Canada um, grandmother was in Duluth and grandpa had this grandfather's clock. And the story is that the clock came from Scotland on, I'm guessing the cheapest glass <laughs> boat out because it froze in Hudson Bay <laughs> and they had to burn the casing from around the clock, but the mechanical pieces supposedly are from Scotland in the late 1700s. So that kind of instilled something in me too, because here's this object that connected me so far back through you know, Canada and Scotland and these places I hadn't seen. And I think part of knowing yourself is knowing where you came from. And that's my fascination with with genealogy and ancestors for sure. Absolutely. I feel like you can't have the ghost stories. You can't have the experiences without that history, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Uh, that's I always have a fascination. This is also why Amy and I bond is because we both are have a fascination with history, and, and that's why I think you guys have bonded as well. You have that passion, that knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love history. Love, love, love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, and and genealogy and ancestry has been a huge thing for me as well, and just learning where I come from. 
I feel not that I didn't feel whole before, but I feel there's some sort of wholeness that has come from that and connection. And, you know, I know, I know I've shared my personal story of um, discovering that my great, great grandmother was a medium, you know, and, and now that I have that knowledge, there's an awareness between us. So actually like my most recent reading I had with another medium, guess who came on through for the first time ever? Like she hadn't come through in other readings before, maybe because I wouldn't know who she was. Like, I'm not really sure. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but I find sometimes in readings, like more often than not, the person the client is hoping for will come in like without being asked very often, but once in a while, especially lately, I've had like the person that the, the, the spirit person that the client wants to come in, not come in their own. It's like they want to be invited. And I've had that late recently. It's like a pattern and it never happened before. And it's just interesting to me. I don't know why, but I was curious. If you That's interesting. I, I've had that almost this whole year. I felt like they kind of come in in clusters in a way and want to recognize the people that they're bringing with them, their yes. parents or their grandparents. Yeah. I don't know if it's, connected to like the movie what is it Coco where you're only forgotten or you only pass on the other side when you're forgotten but I think there's something interesting to that the idea that their connection to this plane is through our memories and through that energy I don't know something to think about kind of creates that bridge right like we always say as mediums we're that bridge but maybe it's the the other way around that all that energy pat needs some way to come through like i've had similar experiences now where just the other day gave a reading wanting to connect to somebody's father but his parents the parents came through first and then and then dad stepped through which i thought was really interesting and i had to acknowledge grandma and grandpa and then yeah. Then dad came through and I thought that's, that's really cool. So I definitely agree. I've, I've had similar experiences in this past year. I wonder if yeah. others, yeah. Well, we'll find out listeners developing mediums. If you're experiencing that too, it'd be interesting to hear from you. Let us know, put in the comments. Yeah. I, I think it would be really interesting to find out. And I think anyone who's interested in exploring their ancestry or their genealogy, even if you only go one or two generations back. It helps you to understand why decisions were made that and ended, mm -hmm. and ended up where you are, right? It puts those puzzle pieces together. Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Okay, there's some background story to this that maybe you didn't know about. Yeah. 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 Isn't it amazing too? Because I just did, I did two um, past life readings today. They've come in a clump. And actually the last one I did this afternoon, I said something very similar after we finished the reading to my client. And I said, isn't it amazing when you think about, um, you know, all these past lives that have led to where you are now. And then on top of that, all the ancestral lineage of how many people had to come together and how many situations had to happen for you to exist right now. Like, if you think about that, it's mind blowing. Yeah, because we had like past life stuff come in, but also some ancestral stuff come in and they were really overlapping. Just think about that, yeah. like the puzzle of who you are. And have you ever noticed in your background that you'll find like a cluster? Like we always have birthdays like in April and May, or we always have birthdays in like- In your family, you mean? There's like these clusters that travel. So yeah. for me personally, I think I shared this with, I don't know if I shared this with with both of you or just one of you, but did I tell you guys the story of how when I was doing my ancestry, I discovered that 
um, especially on my maternal grandfather's side, that in every generation for about a four to 500 year span, there was an Amy and an Abigail. And my name's Amy and my daughter is Abigail. And I didn't know that like when yeah, I named my daughter, but they're either sisters, their mother and daughter or their mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. And it then I recently um, did some uh, ancestry discovery with my father's side um, that was previously kind of a question mark and discovered um, that there is a aunt Abby that the maternal, grandfa- maternal grandfather was his mother was Amy. And then there was another sister named Amy. And I'm like, what are the odds? So that's a cluster in my family for sure. It's fascinating to me how the names have traveled like that. And it doesn't seem like it's been intentional always. Cause like I said, it can be mother-in-law, daughter-in-law or like, you know, for me, I I learned after the fact that I was named after that, that grandfather I'm speaking about, his favorite aunt who had passed away in her 30s. So I was named after her, but I had no idea that she, her mother was Abigail. And then I named my daughter Abigail. That's the thing without having that written record or something, there's had no idea. It wasn't until my grandmother, because my grandfather had had, um, had dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, and he met Abby once, but he was, you know, um, towards the end of his life and dementia um, was, had taken over. And so he met her and he was like touching her foot and stuff. And I remember my grandmother in that moment said, he would have loved that you named her Abigail. Did you know? And I said, no, nobody ever told me that. Yeah. Yeah. With a full circle moment. What about you, Erin? Do you find clusters in your family in some sort of, you know what? I, I haven't done any genealogy really like to, to know enough. I just know that there's a lot of December birthdays um, for sure. Um, me, my uncle, my brother, my dad, not my brother, sorry, my uncle, my um, cousin, my dad, we all have December birthdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my dad and his, and my cousin, his nephew, they both have December 2nd birthdays. That blows my mind. See, in my, when I was growing up of like my immediate family, but also my extended family, I was the only winter baby. I'm January. Everybody else was like summer and September a couple spring, but mostly that time of year. And I was the only winter. Then I met my husband who's December. Then we had our daughter who's February. And then we had our other son who was February. So it's like, ah, you know, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay. Not alone yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Eh? yeah. I know. But all this conversation is making, I, I always say this, I think every podcast we talk about uh, ancestry that I have to, I have to do it. I got to do it. Yeah. That's going to be, I think my speaking of December. Interesting because see, that's where I tie back into then astrology because I really practice and believe in evolutionary astrology. So the idea that our stars have dictated multiple lifetimes. And one of the things they talk about, like if you're a Leo in this lifetime, chances are you had it a little rough last time and they're kind of giving you a break this time and saying, go have some fun. Take it easy. Things are going to be a little more lighthearted for you. Not a, not to say that every Leo has an easy life. I don't mean that. But the very idea that they're meant to know that this life is finite and that it's important to fill your days with things that make it happy and joyful. And so I think it's interesting when families kind of get pockets of um, zodiac signs and like what yeah. is the evolution that the family is going through right yeah. now. 
I love that. And how, sorry, how did you discover, because I had never heard about evolutionary, that's what it is, right? Evolutionary astrology. Never heard about this. How did you come across this? What about, I guess, evolutionary? I think, I guess you just sort of described it, but what about it stuck out to you that you were like, this is, this is my, my jam. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think astrology, it can be taught in ways that make it feel really overwhelming and complicated. Mm -hmm. There's angles and planets and houses and all these things. And when I was researching and trying to learn and find more out, I really stuck with the elements. To me, that is the basic system. Once you know fire, earth, air, and water, how it affects the signs, what that means, then it's a building block system. You can sort of put the next layer of that together. And so as I was going through the element series, I stumbled on um, Stephen Forrest, and he's an amazing astrologer from he was really his heyday, his biggest books were written in the seventies, but he's released a series here in the last few years that are all about the elements. He's got the book of fire, the book of earth. It's fascinating, right? I think the way he describes, so let's talk about fire for a second. Fire is this idea of passion and like that moment where we have, we, that primal need to do something, whether it's survival, whether it's the need to explore or learn or create, whatever it is, it's that primal burst of energy that kind of gets us up in the morning. And then earth comes along and earth is this idea of sort of making it real. It's the combination between our spirit and our physical body and making something happen. I always tell a joke that, you know, if you had a a Taurus, a Virgo, and a Capricorn together. How would you determine how they're different? <laughs> That's us. Well, I'm Capricorn, Capricorn, Taurus, but I'm a Virgo rising. So there you go. Okay. This is why we need Virgos in our life. Okay. So the <laughs> Capricorn, the Taurus, first of all, would start off and say, you know what we should do today? We should watch the sunset. Like, let's go to the top of a peak. Like have this beautiful Taurus moment, right? It's beautiful. It's earthy. It's all of these things. And Capricorn is like, heck yeah, let's do it. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll hike three mountains to get there. It doesn't matter how long it takes. And Virgo's going to be like, yeah, are you guys packing snacks? How about some shoes <laughs> and a flashlight? <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how the three sort of build off of each other. And I think the next big hit I had that evolutionary astrology was for me, I was doing a reading for a client. And I like to spend a lot of time on the North and South nodes, right? The points of future destiny and past karma. And while I was sort of describing her placements to her, I had this whole vision pop in and it's similar to a mediumship reading and that I know it wasn't my own thought, but you don't quite know at that point where it's coming from. And I was explaining to her this imagery and she just had tears in her eyes. And she was like, I know this story. I know I was there. This makes sense. And like every bone in my body. And that's when I really discovered that I felt like it was Akashic records and why I went down the path of exploring them more because I knew I was getting this information about these lives through astrology, but I didn't know what the source was and whether it's Akashic or whether it is just connecting to the divine, to higher consciousness, it's the idea that I can at least pull out those details and, and make some sense of things that you can lean into or let go of in this lifetime. Yeah. Wow. Emily, I feel like I have like a zillion questions for you. 
<laughs> after on, that sister. one, yeah, beautifully well um, articulated uh, sent, sent multiple sentences that you just said. But um, I, what is what are the Akashic records for maybe folks that don't know? Um, and I wondered if you could go into the Akashic records a little bit because that's something that's personally interested me as well. So Akashic is a Sanskrit word. And it means really the ether or the air. Um, and in that religion, right, we have all four elements, but we also have the air, the invisible, the, the ethers that we don't understand. And so Akashic is, that is the term for that air, that ether space. And I think generally most mediums connect into that space in one way or another, whether it's through psychic when we know we're feeling it from like the person in front of us. But there's also those moments when sometimes we may be connected to their loved one, but we're also getting information about them on a soul level. Like this is the most important part of the message that they need to hear or something to that effect. And so I think Akashic records is maybe more popular right now in a term, but I think it's something that we've been connecting to for ever. I think any shaman, any medium, any psychic has probably been into it before. And we've discussed that too. Like that was my question. Do you think most readers are already tapping into the acoustic records? Yes or no? And Because I have discovered, you know, through conversations that I've had with other people, my goodness, I think when I'm doing like intuitive guidance or I'm doing a past life reading, like I, f- I feel like I'm getting the information from the Akashic records without like intentionally connecting. I think it's coming from the same place, but I wasn't sure, you know, like, yeah. And a lot of times it'll come in in a language that feels different or the vernacular, the sentence structure, something about it will feel different, but the information and the wisdom is like, I could sit all day with a pen and paper and I'm not going to come up with this like four word sentence that blows yes. my mind. For yes. day. <laughs> but that's what drops in. So is it channeling? Is it records? What, what, yeah. What is it? Yeah. Like this sounds like the Akash. What is it? I, I just mean like it sounds like the Akashic records is just something that maybe we've given this thing a label, right? To kind of understand because humans, we like to give things labels. Really when you work in them, it can feel for me in my visual sense, it feels very much like a library. Like I'm going in and I'm asking your guides or whoever's going to step forward that day. Sometimes they are like record keepers. But it's the idea that we can connect to the general knowledge for every soul over every lifetime. And that information is accessible to us if we're willing to ask the questions. It's like going to the librarian and saying, do you have any advice for my life? And they're like, well, yeah, but what topic would you like to cover? (laughs) (laughs) What chapter? (laughs) So you do have to get kind of specific. I feel like the records get a little sassy sometimes. A little bit like they'll throw the question back at you. And that's really when I know I'm in because I'm like, okay, I got to dial it in, get real specific. I love that. I love that. When did the Akashic Records like step in for you? I can't remember if you've already said that, but when did this become something also that you were like, I need to go into this more and, and do this? It was really during that astrology reading when I had this complete vision of her past life. And I thought, this is coming from somewhere that I haven't explored before. And it felt like at that point, Akashic just kind of kept coming up. And I thought that, okay, that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to pay attention to this a little bit. 
that's really cool. I have a question. Um, in terms of astrology, and I think you you can't it's funny because I have these questions prepared and you're like you're nailing them without me asking them. Like one was what is evolutionary in astrology, and then the next one's about the Akashic records. Um, this one is what is the most important aspect of a person's birth chart to learn if they um could only learn one thing as a beginner? That's a great question. Well, I think the whole chart. Well, yes. but in all seriousness. Just be like one <laughs> kind of aspect what would it yeah I think I recommend the big three is what I call them so your sun your moon and your rising sign because that's your ego it's your emotions and it's really how you show up in the world how other people perceive you so I think that's a really important one to know um emotions because I can understand that my husband is an air sign that his emotions come from this watery place of needing comfort and, and a little bit more time to come around to things. Just having that information has transformed my relationship. So I think I really love the idea that if we all knew a little bit more about our own astrology and others, that there's this opportunity to honestly live with a little more peace and harmony. It's the idea of being like, oh, she's a fire sign. My mom is a fire sign. She gets so dang excited about everything. So at least now, instead of feeling completely frustrated with her, every time I get on the phone, I'm just let her be excited. She's going to burn out (laughs) a little bit and it'll be fine, but I can let her be excited in the moment and I don't have to fight against it or think what's wrong with her. What's wrong with me? It just simply is. That's what I love, 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 love about astrology. I, I say that often about energy. Like that, that's what I, I love about the study of, um, you know, mediumship or psychic readings, Akashic. It's just like energy isn't personal. It just is. It just is. And I just wish that we could all, like you just said, kind of view ourselves and others in that way. We just are. Yeah. yeah oh, it'd be yeah. so freeing. I know it's when crazy. I found out, like, cause I think I've shared multiple times on this podcast that I've never really totally resonated with being a Capricorn son. Um, you know, like the typical Capricorn, my husband is a Capricorn Aaron and my husband share the same birthday. Um, and I really, really see that in him. Right. Um, for me, I'm like, mm, I don't really feel that much like a Capricorn finding out that I was a Libra moon blew my mind. I'm like, everything in life makes sense. <laughs> everything in life makes sense. Of course, Emily Bermuda, because I am such an emotional person and so tapped into my inner emotional world, of course, I would resonate with your moon, which is your emotions. Yeah. Right. And seeking that balance and harmony and feeling the the pull to think things through a little longer where a Capricorn is just going to push through and it doesn't matter. You're like, whoa, 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 let's take a minute. <laughs> let's look at all sides of the story. Let's lay it out. But I can see how I'm evolving into the Capricorn moon a little bit when it comes to the example you just gave, because I used to really resonate and self-identify as being quite indecisive, which is also a story that I told myself. Um, But I now, like Aaron and I talked about this last week in the episode, that I kind of don't sit on things as much anymore. I'm just like, nope, that's what I'm doing. So I can see embodying the Capricorn a little bit more, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Interesting. I think... Um, I've heard this and I have a friend that really helps children through astrology. And a big thing is that kids really live as their moon when they're younger. They're just living out of an emotional state. So if you can understand that your little kiddo is maybe a Taurus and they need that blanket or that stuffed animal with them all the time for comfort, or you may have a little Sagittarius and he just wants to explore. 
he's going to be on one thing for 10 minutes and on to the next and let him there. There's nothing innately wrong with either. You haven't done anything to change where they're at, but you can adjust your parenting styles just slightly between the two and make your life easier. Speaking of evolutionary astrology, you know, and, and patterns and chunks that we see in our life. So I just shared that I'm a Libra moon and a Virgo rising. My, both of my sons are Libra moons. Uh, and my youngest is a Libra moon in Virgo rising. So that's interesting to me, right? Have you ever heard, you know, that your moon sometimes can be um, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, related to somehow um, your own mother and her emotions? Or have you heard of that before? That's interesting. I haven't heard about that. I have noticed through doing readings that a lot of times a couple will share like the husband's moon will be in the wife's sun sign or her sun sign will be her moon will be in his sun sign. It's something like that, that they'll share one of those big three in common, which kind of makes them relate to each other. And a lot of times it's a sun moon swap. Um, I haven't heard it to mothers, but I wouldn't be surprised. Although and, you know, somebody asked, well, are there signs that should never get married or never have relationships? And I don't buy into that at all. I think we all have a chart that's as unique as a fingerprint and a snowflake. And so to say, forget it, like cancers and Gemini should never marry. That's ridiculous. There's plenty of relationships out there that prove it otherwise. But I do think there are things that maybe help them make it easier than others. Those placements can help, but there's no tried and true rules for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Because as you were talking, I was thinking about like, well, what about the people? And I feel like sometimes I fall into this category, like I'm all Capricorn, my sun, moon rising, I'm a cap. But there's certain elements of me that I'm like, I don't know if like that totally fits with me. You know what I mean? So what would you say to those folks or me <laughs> you know, that like don't necessarily prescribe to like maybe what I'm, I'm reading or like, how do you know? And this is sort of similar, I guess maybe I'm answering my own question, but that Amy and I have always talked about just like f trusting um, what you, where you feel drawn to and like who you feel drawn to maybe as an astrologer, but like, how do you know, like, where where to go or where to look or is it all like do all Capricorns is it all this one definition you know is it a one definition fits all kind of a thing or do we just kind of go all over the place sometimes is there really no right answer that's well this is where it starts <laughs> to get really really detailed because you might have all of your Capricorn let's say in those those three your sun moon and rising so that means it's really close to your first house and your 12th house so you could be on all three placement and have all of them in your 12th house. And the houses represent the energy that is the happening. The planets give you sort of the archetypes of what it is. And the houses show you how that presents itself through actions. Mm. So in the 12th house, you're really dealing with this realm of spirituality and higher callings, but of understanding that there's an overlying bigger purpose here than just the day-to-day -day tasks, where if you've got it in your first house, let's say all three of those are in the first, you're going to be moving from a place, not, I hesitate to say selfish, but it's from a place of putting yourself first, worrying about your own needs before the group. And so just those two differences are going to make Capricorn horoscopes widely different. 
you could have your house, your son and all sorts of different houses, right? There's 12, you've got 12 different combinations there. And that's where fine tuning it gets really interesting. Um, and it is important to connect with the astrologer and see what kind of readings they're doing. Are they based on romance and love? Are they career astrologers? Are they looking at your soul's journey? Are they looking at, you know, what major aspects are coming up that you need to pay attention to in the next 10 years? Things like that. It's important to research them. Cool. That's really interesting. So the houses, because I know, I honestly, I know nothing about astrology. Amy researches more than, than I do. Um, and so I'm definitely coming into this a little bit uh, new. I'll put in, in quotes. I know I'm familiar with it, but so would you say like, if, if necessary, if not necessarily, you don't rest, if you don't necessarily resonate with that sign at that moment, would you then look to, you would look to the houses to see like where you're at. There's two parts of that. Yeah. You either okay. aren't resonating with the person that wrote the horoscope and right, their yeah. interpretation. Yeah. Um, or yeah, you've got planetary aspects that are playing a bigger part in your chart. So if you didn't have all three so close, I would say, look to your rising sign as an option to maybe what you're feeling more of at that moment. Um, without getting into the bigger planets, it's important to know, like, is there a full moon in your sign? Is there a new moon in your sign? Is there something pulling against it? Is it in the opposite sign? A lot of times that'll bring out the tension of the shadow. If you are, let's say a Virgo right now is the season we just moved into today. The opposite is Pisces. So there's this idea in Virgo where we have to get our to-do lists done before we can sit down and read a book and let our mind escape. Whereas Pisces, on the other hand, is going to be hanging out there, wanting to read the books and think about the bigger thoughts and worry less about the day-to-day -day tasks. So there's the balance, the pull back and forth between the two. So if you know that you've got that much Capricorn, look across the chart to see what's in Cancer. Is there something pulling it there for you? Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. In other words, I should just get a reading with Emily for my astrology. And you guys should too, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Good. Noted. <laughs> we'll do it together then you guys yeah, can support each yeah. other. Yeah. When you were talking about Virgo Pisces, I'm like, she's talking about me because I've got my risings in Virgo and I've and I got five planets uh, in Virgo. Uh, I'm also Virgo North Node, Pisces South Node. So you just described my whole life. I need to do and get organized, but I'm like, oh, let's sit back and read a book and research astrology all day. Right? Like I want to do what I want to do. Um, but I also know that that North Node is kind of like that mountain you came here to climb, right? It, 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 it's really asking you like, okay, these are your South Node are the things that you know yeah. without knowing. It's the fears you have with that are that you don't understand, but it's also that innate yeah. knowledge that yeah. you just know what you know without knowing how you know it. And what we're asked to do is to lean into the unknown, to explore what's the flip side of that. Can I release some of those comforts and barriers and extend myself into something that I maybe haven't tried before? And the fact that my North node and then all the, and the rising and all those other planets are in Virgo, would that like kind of be extra important for me in this lifetime? It's like really pulling you that way, <laughs> whether you want to or not. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people will have their sun opposite, their sun will be with their South node. 
and they're supposed to go in this completely different direction with the north node opposite and it feels very foreign like where am what how am i supposed to manage this when i'm literally being pulled against myself and i don't say that in a way of like just forget it give up you can't trust yourself i believe we incarnate with those nodal placements multiple times anywhere from i've had from 1 to 6 and it just depends kind of where you are on that journey. It might not take somebody six. It might be three. They might live both extremes and then kind of nail it on the third. But you never know. You never know. And it's important to not live your life by the rules of astrology. We have 100% free will, right? This is just, I feel like it's telling someone what your basic operating system is. Are you DOS? Are you PC? Are you a Mac? Are you Linux? Like, let's, <laughs> let's understand what kind of floppy disk you need and how we can make this better. And then you can embody that, relax into it a little bit. And then your decisions are made from a place of comfort instead of kind of flailing in a way. Yeah, I also just like there definitely seems to be some um, like comfortability and just like a sense of like kind of feeling at, at peace or it's it sort of feels like it's more self-reflection, more of that like inner knowings, you know, um, work that helps us as people. And when you have that a different perspective or that understanding, it can help you see things from such a different a different lens. Absolutely. And so many times I'll have someone say, I don't know that I'm shocked by my reading. Like, I feel like you just confirmed and validated all the things I questioned about myself. (laughs) Yeah. The things I really fight against. Yeah. Yeah, I found that with like discovering my North and South node because um, the South node with Pisces, like I'm very familiar with that and it, I do, that's my comfort zone. That's where I want to go. Right. Like that's my default. Uh, And I used to often kind of criticize or judge myself like, Oh, like maybe you're lazy or why do you just want to do what you want to do? Like maybe you're selfish, you know, like, or why do you always want to escape and avoid? Why do you always want to avoid everything? Right. And, and learning that, Hey, like I've probably spent multiple lifetimes in that Pisces energy. So that's a really familiar blanket for me. Right. So it's not that there's anything wrong with me. It's my comfort zone, but I am in order to grow and evolve in this lifetime, I need to let it go a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. to embrace the mm-hmm. new. And, you know, our, to live a full life is to live through all 12 houses. To go through the I am, I have, I think, I know, I feel, all the way around into where do I work? How do I fit into my community? What is my spirituality? The thing about the Zodiac and the full chart is that we all have all of those aspects. We're just meant to lean in or out of certain ones in different ways. Somebody asks me a lot, if I have nothing in that house, does that mean like I'm never having children or not meant to have family? Like, what does this mean? And really, I find that it's that that part of your life is sort of running on autopilot. It's like the subconscious autopilot and you don't really need to stress about it so much. It's the areas where you've got some emphasis that are like, okay, you're going to have to pay attention to this section just a little bit more. Yeah. Wow. My mind is like, yeah. I feel like almost every guest we have on, I'm like, yeah, I have so many questions. Like I know when you were talking about the Leah house, like my son is in the fifth house. 
right? Yeah. So, which is Leo's house. So, and I've read before that that means that I am here to have some fun, right? Like I am mm-hmm. here, um, but then it's in the sign of Capricorn, which is so ambitious, right? So how would you interpret somebody's, without doing a reading for me, but how would you interpret somebody's Capricorn sun in, in that house? To me, that means you're not going to give up on those dreams. Like you're going to have fun and you're going to stick with it. But you may find that you end up turning what you love, your passion into your career or into your community, into something that gives you a bigger feeling of of purpose behind it. Okay. And I have one more question for you. I don't know if you have some more too, Erin. I have just one final one, but we'll see if it's the same. I don't know if it will be, but last week I was kind of going down the rabbit hole um, when I was reading the um, Book of Fire that you mentioned by Stephen Forrest. And there does a lot of talk about sun there because that is one of the fire um, elements. And um, there was this talk about progressions. What do you think about that? (laughs) This is a good one. So, okay, here's a little fact that's going to blow your mind about astrology. There's two types. There's tropical and sidereal. And in the Western world, we practice basically tropical. It's the way in which our houses are built, not physically, but (laughs) zodiac houses. And the idea that we actually aren't mirroring where the constellations are in the sky right now. Why is that important? Well, We've known about tracking the constellations and connecting them to the Zodiac. There's literally a cave in France, the La Salle Cave. They're 17,000 years old where we were tracking the constellations. Now we're moving through space constantly and things are shifting. And so the myths and the creation stories behind these Zodiac energies are important. That's where the history and the stories, it's the, the knowledge that comes forward through these where they are in the sky isn't necessarily as important as the information that they're getting passed through. So, okay. In tropical, that means that at zero degrees, every spring equinox is always going to be Aries season. Whereas in a side reel, they're going to say, okay, it used to be zero degrees, but now we're going to make some mathematical adjustments and it's a little off and it's, you know, 14 degrees, da, 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 da. I don't know that, well, I know that neither is wrong or right. They've developed side by side through time. But Ptolemy, the Greek, spent countless years studying at the library in Alexandria, all of these ancient astrology writings and teachings from Sumer and Babylonia. And he's the one that developed the system that said, okay, we're going to not go the mathematical way. We're going to go this tropical way. We're going to base everything on the amount of light and dark that's in the sky. And so, okay, back to progressions. I think you can look at them and make them work. I think you don't have to, and it's not going to make a difference. There's an article that comes out every two or three years that says, oh, you thought you were a cancer. Surprise, now you're Gemini. Everything's moved. Well, <laughs> yes and no. In side real astrology, which is really Hindu and Vedic in nature, that's true. Everything is constantly moving and they do make adjustments for it. But where we are with tropical, that's not really what we base it on. Now, when we talk about planets going retrograde, that is active and the moon is active. But we also know that, okay, right now, Virgo season, it's this idea of the last 30 degrees of summer. 
we know that we are looking to see what we are going to be able to harvest. Are we going to make it through the winter? Virgo is literally here to judge us and say, did you work hard enough? Did you plan enough? Are we going to survive the winter? That is the extreme version of Virgo energy being prepared. We've got to survive. (laughs) And so whether or not that constellation itself is in the sky isn't as important as the story and the idea that we're getting because of where we are in the calendar year. Right. I love that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is, I don't know, Amy, if you have any other questions, but that was like a really good segue into what I was going to ask. Yeah, that was my last question. (laughs) Emily, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm sure they're going to connect somehow. And and sure enough, Emily, because you just answered this, I was going to ask, you know, where are we right now in the planet's And what does that mean kind of going forward into September, if I can ask? You totally can. Okay. So yeah, we are in the Virgo season. And when we talk about the creation story around Virgo, it's this idea of the sun was really disappearing into the underworld as they understood it. And so many of these goddesses, even in Egypt, represent the underworld and the virgin this time of year. Now, Virgin wasn't always chaste. It really meant that you could create and bring something forward with using your own energy, right? You were planting the seeds and you were the wheat. You were one and the same. And so that layer of judgment that comes through right now is also this back to school energy that we feel. Now, think about it. We get this energy a little bit in January with Capricorn too, where we're like, okay, I got to make some, some adjustments and some resolutions. But I really think Virgo is the bigger version of that because it wants us to adjust our daily life. It's really interested in our health. Are we going to be okay? Are we feeling okay? (laughs) All of these things come up right now. And so instead of kind of fighting it and thinking, oh, my summer bubble has been burst. I'm not going to have any more fun for the rest of the year. (laughs) Instead, lean into it and say, okay, I could do a fall cleaning on the house. I could empty the pantry. I could make those doctor's appointments I've been putting off, buy a new to-do list and kind of pull myself back together for a minute so that I will make it through the winter so that I will survive the darkness that's coming and bring out the hobbies that I maybe do indoors instead of outdoors, that idea. We are going to have six planets in retrograde in September. Now we have the outer planets usually in retrograde in the fall. Anyway, that one's not quite as heavy. It's that slowdown this time of year where we feel like we're kind of rethinking everything we did at the beginning, uh, revisiting some of those ideas, but we're having Mercury in retrograde and we're already in the shadow period right now. We're recording this on the 22nd and uh, we hit shadow period on the 20th. So it's little hiccups. And Mercury loves Gemini. That's where it's its happiest. And it is in Gemini right now. So we're getting a little extra energy, just all of these things kind of pulling on us that where our communication is going to be struggling, where we are going to really need to rethink contracts, details, emails, any place where you are putting your word out or your energy, your communication out, double check it. Um, it's just a great time to kind of go back and revisit, re-examine, re-evaluate. All the re-words I always say are a retrograde. Wow. Yeah. I feel like, okay, there was something that happened. Oh, Lee K, literally when you were like, I before 
you said back to school because you were talking about something else. And I was like, yeah, because I've been literally thinking about, do I do a master's degree? And you were like, back to school. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're totally there. We're there. We're so there. And even the communication part, like, Amy, I don't know about you or even Emily, if you feel this way, but my uh, communication is definitely being tested. And I feel that I'm having to like make sure that I'm very clear in my communication with people as well, because there's been some miscommunication that's happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting. We're going to have kind of this conflict for a while now. We've also got Mars just moved into Gemini. And so there's that action and aggression for a little bit, and it's going to be there clear into next year. So it's the idea that we want to do things quickly, but we're maybe Mm -hmm. not communicating it in the clearest way. So if we all, yeah, just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. That's interesting to me because I literally have felt, been feeling like, and I know I'm so sorry, I want to be aware of your time as well. I probably, we could go on for hours, but um, I've been so aware that like, I need to do things now so that I can put boundaries in place for the future. And that's something that I feel like, I don't know if you you guys agree, but that's been coming through from spirit to be like, you need to communicate. You need to like get it out there now because in the future, it's going to bite you in the butt. And that sounds like it's very insane. Astrologically too, we're in this pull really until about 2026. It started in 2020 and we are truly being tested. The first test was to slow down and not all of a sudden get everything our way. And then we could get it all our way. And we were like, well, maybe I don't want it that way. Maybe that's too fast, too much. And this year is the year of the lovers, right? 2022 is in tarot is the year of the lovers. And I really think it's the idea that we need to determine what we love. What can we let go of? Do we need to be on Facebook all the time? Do we want to go out all the time? Or are we happy at home? Or maybe we aren't and we need to go out more. Whatever that balance is, it has to be individual. It can't just be running a million miles an hour all the time because that's what we always did. Yeah. We're really being asked to slow down and re-examine all aspects of our lives going forward. Yeah. I definitely felt that energy from 2020. Like I remember channeling um, like a 2020 kind of forecast um, and things coming in, but I like didn't know at the time, right? Like what it was meaning, but I was, you know, just about, and actually I think I brought it up until the, the end of this decade, right? Like getting closer towards the end felt like what was coming through was about, um, you know, basically that the foundation under our feet was crumbling, like old ways, old narratives, old belief systems um, were not supporting us anymore. And so it was up to us. Are you going to hang on by your, you know, your nails or are you going to help rebuild something based on what you want collectively is best for us? So I, I really, it's interesting that like astrologically, that's also supporting that evolution within us. Like it's really cool. Wish I could remember which planets are involved, but I know the last time we had it, and it has to do with Uranus, I apologize for not knowing exactly, but was the Ebola outbreak. And right now we're in the same planetary aspect with Uranus and we're having the monkeypox. And so kind of every time this placement comes up, we get these scares. And so it's, yeah, I don't know that it's, I want to say it's reassuring in a way to be like, okay, we're on the path where we're supposed to be. These are the things that always come up. But on the other hand, is it frustrating that they're still coming up? We haven't haven't progressed past them or dealt with them in some way. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast I feel like we could talk about. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. We need to have a part yeah, we two. Need to have you back sometime. We love chatting to you. Chatting, yeah, I could chat with you guys all day. <laughs> yeah, I have to tell you, like, I honestly, really and truly, I was one of those people that, like, I just felt like astrology was like, eh, like, it's there. It's not really for, like, I don't feel anything. But, but having this conversation with you, I genuinely mean this. It's definitely broadened my perspective on astrology. And I am just like, yeah, I just feel like it's definitely something worth exploring. And now I'm going to do a bunch of Googling and going down the rabbit hole. And uh, I I might find you down there, Amy. So <laughs> I've been living hole. down there for a while. <laughs> you know, what's funny too, is it kind of reminds me like when you were talking about like parenting and with kids and that kind of stuff in their signs, it was reminding me a bit about human design. Um, now, does human design have an astrological connection right like when you look at the side of your human design the planets are there yeah it does so it's i ching yeah. chakra uh gene keys astrology there's so many pieces involved and it does it's interesting it not only deals with your birth chart one side i think it's the black um, planets and numbers and things in your chart are when you were born but then they also take a mathematical calculation and go back three months prior to when you were born, which is really when they believe that spirit connects and that's your unconscious birth chart. And so it's a combination of those two that make up your human design gates. And systems. yeah, when I discovered that I was, I, I smiled, I was smiling as you were talking because when, when, you know how they give your, um, the two dates, one of your actual birth date and one the couple months before it was October, which is Libra for me. And I'm like, cause I come alive. I come alive in September and October, it's always felt like a bit of a new year for me. I always feel mm -hmm. like I've come home. Like, I don't know what it is. I've just felt that inside since I was a little kid. Um, so I found that really interesting too. So, so what you're saying is there's a belief that that's when your spirit kind of enters. Ooh. Correct. Yeah. That's really when spirit connects to the embryo. Do you know what is also cool? Speaking of like kind of a clusters or things that happen in family. Uh, my sister has twins and she wanted me to do their charts. So I did. And um, cause she wanted to know if they would have be the exact same. Um, there was slight differences, but for the most part, very similar. Now their um, unconscious date that came in is my birthday. Is that not kind of weird? Kind of weird, the exact date. <laughs> it's like, ooh, there's something there like within the ancestral line there, something to be learned. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, there's something about astrology that feels very primitive to me. It's like reaching back through history and connecting to the myths and the stories and Real, really, the, I always call it the true reason for the season. Yeah, right? because it has to do with what we naturally find ourselves doing anyway. And once we can sink into that harmony a little bit, you really do embrace all twelve houses. You live a full year when you embody that, instead of rebelling against it, and then you kind of feel like you missed things throughout the year. Now, where can people find you, Emily? Yeah, give us all the the details. <laughs> well, so you can find me on my website. It's emilyandherstars.com. I've got links to all sorts of things there. I'm mostly active on Instagram because I'm a sucker for funny memes. You have the best memes. Uh, so that's emilyandherstars on Instagram. I have a podcast myself called Things That Make You Go Woo. 
And I love doing deep dives into the history and the why of the woo and the magic. Um, It takes a long time to put out some of those episodes so that I don't have as many as you girls, but I really enjoy getting into sort of the nitty gritty of it all. And I also have an upcoming astrology course starting on August 30th. I am doing a 12 month series where we deep dive into each sign. Um, And there's a live Q&A and all sorts of handouts and free videos and all sorts of goodies. So you can find that at the thirdeyelibrary.com or also on the library. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to sign up for this Virgo one. I would ideally like to do each one. um, But if I had to pick and choose, I'll definitely do the ones like in my big three. (laughs) Yeah, even if you pick and choose the ones that are members of your family or like you and your spouse, just to get a better understanding of your own makeup is really important. If you don't have any desire to teach astrology or go that deep, it's a way to break it down and just pull those pieces that feel right Mm -hmm. for you. So you don't just offer teaching these courses, you you offer astrology readings, correct? I do astrology readings, Akashic astrology, mediumship, intuitive um, coaching. I have a program where we do your astrology, your human design, and Akashic all together. If you're really coming up to this point of like, what is my purpose? Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do like five sessions together to really build on that and pull through some clarity. I really, uh, I really appreciate your expertise and your enthusiasm. We've changed the word from like yeah. expert to enthusiast. So we are enthusiast. Enthusiast. <laughs> and you yeah. bring that energy. Thank you guys for having me. This was so much fun. I could talk about it forever. Oh, our pleasure. We're going to do it again. Perfect Deal. ending. Have a lovely day, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Thank Emily. You. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. Bye. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and tune in each week as we dish on all things spiritual. Don't forget to like, comment on what you would like to hear us talk about next and subscribe.